Welcome to the DC Today, your daily market synopsis of the Dividend Cafe, brought to you every Monday through Thursday to bring you up-to-date information and perspective on financial markets. Well, hello and welcome to today's DC Today. My name is Brian Seitel. It's uh, Tuesday, the 25th here in Newport Beach office and, and kind of a nice up market day to kind of go through with you a little bit and uh, come back from our trip from uh, New York City last week, where we do every year sort of a, a 20 plus manager meeting type of marathon trip together to kind of go through, go through positions, go through the managers that we work with. And so I'll have a little bit of a couple of takeaways that I can probably sprinkle in throughout this, this recording uh, for today as well. But um, update today, actually futures last night were slightly negative. We had an update yesterday, not a huge update, but but an update yesterday. Futures were negative last night, pointed to a, probably a negative 100 open on the Dow. But I think what happened was markets opened and uh, you immediately saw rates come down kind of across the yield curve. So with falling interest rates, you had dollar came off a little bit and you kind of started to see the bid catch in equities. The nice thing about the day was that it, it sort of built on itself. And so we ended up sort of closing up 337 points or so on the Dow, which was right about the high for the day. So this is the third straight day of gains. We've had a couple of negative days last week. Uh, we're up about 11% or so from the lows of October. And I, I definitely wouldn't say that it's off to the races or anything like that. We've got a lot to go through here today, but, um, but positive signs nonetheless. Of note today, you still have the volatility index kind of hovering around this sort of 28, 29 level. It's not hyper elevated, uh, showing mass stress, but it's high enough to just sort of show you that we're not out of the weeds here on this thing yet. Some of the top news stories, I think we may have mentioned yesterday a little, but there was uh, uh, the what I think is the third prime minister uh, in, uh, in the UK here over the last uh, couple of months came into office yesterday, and he's got kind of a steep hill to climb economically with getting UK house in order there. Elon Musk pledged to close his Twitter transaction by Friday. Tell by the look on my face how likely I think that that actually is. We'll see. Interesting, yesterday, th there was a big sell-off in, in Chinese equities, particularly te the tech sector. And, and we spoke about that a little bit. And frankly, I had, I had assumed that you would have seen a rebound today, just given the massive 15% sell-off in, in a day. Markets are... are kind of notoriously unfriendly to having what essentially is a, a third and, and potentially a, a term that will last in perpetuity with, with the president in China kind of, kind of keeping hold of his power. Um, and, and his goal is more less to do with growth, which is what they have, their mantra has been for, for many years, and it's shifting more to, to staying in power. And so the, the goal there is to sort of democratize the wealth in the country a little bit, and tech sector is, is really kind of falling out of bed with that. And so I would have assumed you'd seen a, a kind of a rebound rally just, just uh, from yesterday's sell-off, and you really didn't see that today. So there's some, some real staying power there. Consumer confidence was lower today. You know, it's, it's a lagging indicator. I don't put a lot of uh, time going into consumer confidence. It's basically a number that tells us what we already know uh, about what we've just gone through and, and a little less predictive about what the future may hold. But, but nonetheless, it was a little bit weaker today along with the Richmond Fed index that came, came in a little weaker. So, you know, for better or for worse, some, some slowing numbers. And, and ultimately, I think Fed is starting to get what they want. David had in the Ask David section today, the question was regarding, you know, are interest rates alone enough to bring down inflation in the economy? Is that enough to sort of slow things down? And what if rates go up on their own, that, that type of a thing? 
And his answer I thought was, was really well said. And I've included a chart for you to take a look at, but the, the premise is basically two things. You know, number one, there are parts of the market that are more sensitive to rates. You know, housing, for example, would be very sensitive to interest rates, whereas things like food, you know, some other things like energy really aren't. And so, you know, to answer the, the reader's question, uh, the answer is yes and no. The, the chart is there to sort of show you perspective over time. And it kind of goes over the last Fed tightening cycles going back for, you know, 40 or 50 years. And you can see what where the terminal rate is, meaning wh where they stop raising rates. Wh when is the point at which they stop hiking and then ultimately cut? And then where is CPI when they do that? And you can kind of see where, you know, where history shows. Ultimately, the Fed raising rates and CPI tend to move together. So rates tend to go up and CPI comes down and they converge and then they either cause the next recession or um, there's no need for them to continue hiking and they begin cutting at some point. But you can sort of see where we are today, which is a Fed funds rate effectively at 3.3% and CPI at 8.2. So, you know, th those two numbers need to converge. And so when I get rallies like today, I'll take them and I, I uh, like to see uh, some green on my screen and our clients do as well. Um, you just have to put this in perspective. This isn't the ninth inning here. We're, we're probably something like sixth or seventh with the World Series coming up to, to use that analogy. But there's some time to come. The, the real question is just going to be how long it takes for those numbers to converge. How, you know, how quickly can inflation come down before the Fed is going to have an official way to pivot? And so in the meantime, maybe you'll get rallies like today with rates coming down and dollar coming off. That's fine. But we're just not quite out of the woods there yet. And I thought that chart went well with, with David's Ask David section. The reason is, and this was actually a strategic comment today that I thought was was good. Um, it was anecdotal, but there was uh, an American economist, Samuelson, last name. And when talking about what it does to have negative real rates over time, he said it would make sense to pave over the Rockies because over time, of course, your investment would be recovered just by the fuel savings in the vehicle over, over 20 or 30 or 40 years. And the, the point to saying that is that negative interest rate manipulation like that, negative real rates is not natural, number one. And number two, it's distortive of markets. And, and David had a nice comment uh, on that uh, as well, separately in, in his Ask David section. We still see weakness in housing. I mean, that's nothing new. It's, it's not it's something we've already spoken about. But we, we are seeing month over month declines that we haven't seen since technically 2009. So just keep in mind, you know, 7% mortgages. And rising rates affect different parts of the market more than others. Also interesting, I thought, when looking at flows, and, and I do pay attention to this, it, it's, you know, you can see ETF, exchange-traded fund flows in different sectors. So energy is up, you know, call it 60% on the year. And fund flows are something like 600 million, uh, you know, something like that on, on the year. So it's taken in some money. People are noticing energy has been left for dead, basically, for, for many years. And people are kind of paying attention and moving money. And that makes sense. But when you look at sort of the, the high valuation tech part of the market, and there's an ETF particular to that sector, um, it's down 60% on the year, and it's taken in over $1.3 billion. My point to saying that is just energy has run. It's the clear outperformer in, in talking about or speaking of our New York trip. It was one of the themes that permeated most of the meetings, not every meeting, but most of the meetings was, was a very positive atmosphere for energy and the energy sector. But just given those flows, it, I mean, it's it's picking up some momentum and it's getting noticed, but uh, not like I would expect with an up 60 year versus some other things that are down, in other words. 
you know, I'll, I'll say, I know David has in Friday's Dividend Cafe spent time kind of going through our literally 40 pages of notes each on this meeting trip. So I don't want to steal his thunder and, and, and go through it too much, but I'll give you a couple of takeaways that aside from the energy sector during these meetings, there is value on the short end of the high quality bond uh, curve right now. And, and so when we looked at our fixed income portfolios and when we're talking about them, there's always a point in which you want to go out on the risk spectrum when you think that you're maybe coming out of a recession or, or, you know, things can't really get much worse, you know, time to kind of risk up a portfolio in, in bonds. I think that's fine to do. But in the meantime, first off, we're not there yet. So what we've kind of talked about and what we heard a lot of was, you know, don't, don't feel like you need to really go out on a credit risk spectrum in, in bonds. You know, you, you can get nice yields, you know, three, four, five, six percent, staying high quality, staying short term and then kind of let things play out and then do your rotation when you feel more comfortable or, or convicted that things are kind of moving through. We talked about China a little bit. You know, I, I wasn't sure originally when Xi Jinping, the president, kind of started enacting some of his policy to bring down the cost of education, to try to spread wealth around the technology sector and bring down the housing market and those things, how lasting that would be. I, I assumed there would be a blinking point sooner than there has been. But one of the themes that we heard quite a bit of in New York is that not the managers are giving up on it or, or anything like that. China is here to stay and, and it's a big growth engine in the world. But the patience of waiting for that to happen is getting a little long in the tooth. And so people are basically moving on. And, and you're seeing that in investment around the world coming outside of China, too. So I, I thought that was interesting. And we'll have to see how that that plays out over time. Most managers are looking for a shallow recession in 2023. You know, I, I don't know that I would take a, a vehemently opposed view to that. You know, historically in, in rate tightening cycles, they do tend to move the pendulum a little too far. And, and that's that's the result of it. But what I would say is that markets will price that in and are pricing that in well in advance. That's what we're seeing right now. I wouldn't draw the distinction between potential of a recession next year. And that means another 25% down on the S&P at all. In fact, I, if anything, I would say something to the opposite effect. Listen, with that, that's sort of around the horn on the day. I appreciate you listening. Uh, as always, fun to be with you today. I'm traveling to our Bend, Oregon uh, office tomorrow at the Bonson Group and, and having some meetings there. So Trevor Cummings will be joining you tomorrow. And uh, please reach out with questions. I'm here to answer them. Thanks so much. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonson Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. 
Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.